Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Middle of the week, Eagle Hour on a Wednesday. Thank you for joining us on the Super Talk Mississippi Network. Luke Johnson in the Southern Bancorp Studios in Hattiesburg, flying solo today, hosting, but Will Tony producing for us here in Hattiesburg. Uh, no show tomorrow. Again, we'll remind you uh, of the uh, the Palmer Home Radiothon going on tomorrow on uh, every Super Talk station. We'll talk more about that in the program. But I've got a great show for you today. Jay Walker, who's Director of Broadcasting for the University of Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, will be uh, joining us as we kind of start our tour uh, through uh, our new mates in the in the Sun Belt, we'll have uh, someone from Texas State on Friday. Patrick McGee from Nola.com will join us here in uh, in what about ten fifteen minutes. And uh, but let's get first to it. Jason Baker on the phone with us, and um, Jason is the of course the play by play for uh, for Southern Miss softball, ladies basketball, and and does the ESPN Plus broadcast for. Uh, Southern Miss football, and and really wanted to talk about the uh, the sudden resignation of Brian Levan um, yesterday. Before we get to Jason, remind you as always, first segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Dickie's Barbecue, located in a community near you. Best smoked meats anywhere. As always, when you eat uh, at the hometown team right here at Turtle Creek Mall in Hattiesburg, you always get that homemade ice cream. Baker, what's going on? Oh, not too much. I could go for some Dickie's Barbecue right now. It's Man, delicious. Uh, brisket, ribs, sausage, uh, all of it. Um, started some chatter, uh, you know, first part of the week that, that this might happen. And it happened um, yesterday on a Tuesday. Brian Levan resigns after three seasons, of course, a COVID shorted season. Uh, he, he leaves Southern Miss. Looks like he's headed to Iowa, uh, 65 and 62 overall. And uh, just just generally, you know, you've you've called his teams for the last uh, three years. Just kind of your uh, your take on on this resignation. Yeah, um, you know, obviously it was a little bit of a shock just due to the timing of it. Um, but uh, when when you understand in, in the way that you read it in the release, uh, due to family reasons, those things kind of don't have a timetable, right? At times, and so uh, yeah, I enjoyed my time with Brian Levan. Um, I, I really. Uh, felt a great respect uh, mutually between the two of us. Um, he was fantastic from my end to work with, and um, I, I really do. I wish him the best. Um, I'll consider him a lifelong friend. Uh, we had just great conversations, and, you know, I, I think he's 
sort of been dealt. It, it, it's tough. The landscape of fast pitch softballs changing just like much of college athletics. Um, and I think he had uh, really began to get some uh, of his type of talent in here, his type of players. And, um, you know, as any coach would tell you, that's, that's what it takes eventually is to get the kind of player and the style that fits. And that's a game that you kind of got to pick your lane. You got to know what you want that team to look like. And I think, you know, unfortunately for the softball team, you know, I could kind of begin to see what Brian LeVan's style of softball was going to be and the type players that he wanted. And uh, unfortunately now he's, you know, he's leaving the program. And so um, those are my thoughts on, on the way that, that this all kind of came about. 14 and 8 in a COVID shorted first season, 22 and 31 last year. And then you kind of saw, you know, the, the swing this year. And, and really from this year, you know, the, the game that really stands out to you is when they, when they beat Florida, I think, who was fourth at the time. Uh, what do you remember about that game from this year? Because that was kind of the, uh, the standout win for, uh, for Brian LeVan, you know, in his three years at Southern Miss. Yeah, a lot. Uh, I was on the call in Pearl and uh, Jackson uh, for Southern Miss baseball against Mississippi State that night against the reigning national champs, and uh, word began to trickle out, and I began to kind of hear that they were on top, and uh, I even think you and me exchanged a couple of texts like, hey, look at what softball's doing down in Gainesville, and uh, pulled up the score, and just, you know, it was everything that this team was this year. They showed glimpses that they could play with any team in the country, and you know, Jaina Lee, one of the freshman players that Brian LeVan brought in, I think hit a three-run bomb maybe in the first inning of that game, if I recall. And uh, Morgan Linestock was Morgan Linestock, man. She she really dealt and pitched well. And, look, when they got, you know, the long ball and when they got some runs early and some early run support, this team was as good as anybody. It was just those nights. Morgan can't pitch every night. It's just not done in – fast pitch softball anymore like that and so this team when they wouldn't give early run support to Mo um, really kind of found themselves behind the eight ball at times and that would be kind of their MO if you will like you know Luke if they jumped out in the first three innings they were swinging it well you know you really felt man this team's gonna be hard to beat because you just weren't gonna scratch out a bunch of runs against Morgan and so that's that's what I recall that night was was what a special night it was for that team and that program and um, really sent them on to, to really become on everybody's radar of a team that was certainly hungry enough uh, to beat you on any given night. Talking to Jason Baker, voice of Southern Miss uh, softball, discussing uh, the resignation of Brian LeVan yesterday as Lady Eagles softball coach. Yeah, there was a lot of movement and you know stories were written. and It, it just seemed as if there was a, a contrast in, in culture. Of course, we love Wendy Hogue on this show. She just ended her career with the state championship at Pedal. But, but Hogue and LeVan were two different types of, of coaches. And it seemed as if Levan, as you mentioned earlier, you know, needed his type of player. And there were a lot of good players that 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 left and and didn't continue under Brian Levan. Um, but two two that did specifically, and I brought brought this up yesterday. Tell us, you know, five years from now, what Tata Davis and Destiny Brown will will mean? Because I think a lot of a lot of Southern Miss fans didn't realize what those two were doing, and and now you know um, their their career's over, and and uh, they will be in in the books for a long time. They really will, Luke. And look, those two young ladies went on record multiple times on post game shows and interviews. Um, they had all intentions of hanging it up um, following their last year of of true eligibility, and then of course with the COVID extra year, they were given an opportunity to come back. Um, and they both went on record to say the reason they came back 
was for Brian LeVan. Um, and that's their words, not mine. And so, and you're talking about two first team all conference players. You're talking about two absolute icons within the softball program. I know there's a, a large bulk of our fan base that remembers those teams from the late 90s, early 2000s with Courtney Blades. And, and certainly that was peak era Golden Eagle softball, right? But I would tell you these two young ladies could play on any team that's ever been a part of Golden Eagle wow. softball. And um, they're that town. Destiny Brown did stuff that uh, I've never seen in, in following fast-pitch softball. And, you know, I was a part of the – broadcast in 2004 when we went out to the Palo Alto Regional in Stanford with that team with head coach Gabe McNutt and I've seen some really good softball players and I, I would tell you I don't know that I've ever seen one better now I didn't cover Courtney Blade I don't know that I've ever <laughs> seen one better from a field position player uh, than Destiny Brown and um, Tata Davis is right there with him and you know Tata's a great story Luke came here as a shortstop had to be moved to third base Brian LeVan came here and said, you would better service up the middle. Why don't you play second base? She didn't whine. She didn't complain. From every indication I've ever heard, Tata Davis went straight to second base, played her position every single day, as well as anybody in Conference USA, and became the all-time hits queen here. And uh, that's, that's two players. You're right. I think five, ten years down the road, there'll be some people that'll sit back and say, wow, those." Those two young ladies are as, as maybe as good as we've ever had, you know, in a black and gold uniform on the dirt diamond. Yeah, they'll they'll be in the M Club Hall of Fame uh, for sure no one day. All right, a little over a minute left. Um, you uh, because you see these teams play and you you have a pulse on, on the program because you you cover softball literally every day during the season. What 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 is needed? What is next? Um, what what do the, does this present roster need? Uh, because, you know, school's starting in, in a little over a month. What, what's your assessment of, of what would best suit, you know, these student-athletes in this program going forward? So I think it's a healthy roster. I think it's a roster that the next coach that will get here will realize there's some pieces. They need a secondary pitcher to step up. They need a number two starter. Um, when you're playing the three-game set and you play it across three straight days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it makes it a little difficult to throw Morgan all three days. And so – um, they're going to need a secondary pitcher to develop. Jaina Lee could be that. She got a lot of opportunities as a freshman. Um, you know, I also think, too, they had Paige Kilgore was a young lady on this team that got a lot of innings work that could develop into that. But that's what this team needed. And then the ability um, to hit the long ball a little bit more. I would love to see some power kind of inserted into this lineup um, sort of protect Hannah Borden, the catcher who's going to come back. That's what they need, a, a development maybe from the bullpen and a secondary pitcher, and then just a little bit more pop in the order. They've got a lot of contact hitters. they got a lot of double hitters. But I think the ability to send the ball over the fence looking for big runs, because if you do that, and like I said earlier, if you when they did that early in games, they won because Morgan was so good that I think – team could win a lot of softball games next year if they're able to get that and I really kind of mean that from the three four five hitters like that's that's what they need um and and you know I think they've got some pieces that can do it uh it's just maybe go find one or two maybe find one in the portal and man this this team's teetering on greatness I feel right absolutely Jason appreciate your time have a great July uh because 
all those sports calls will get here before long. Have a great day, bro. Can't wait, brother. Thanks, Luke. Eagle Hour continues right after this. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Back on a Wednesday, appreciate Jason Baker's time, the voice of Lady Eagle softball and Lady Eagle basketball. Uh, with thoughts about uh, now, uh, a new coach will be sought out and hired. National search uh, began immediately yesterday. Uh, Jeremy McLean obviously heading that up and uh, should know, you know, fairly, fairly soon uh, who the next leader for Southern Miss uh, Lady Eagle softball will be. Second segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Campus Bookmark. On Hardy Street, in Hattiesburg, anything you could ever want that has Southern Miss and the Eagle Head on it, I guarantee you'll find it in that yellow building on Hardy Street. Um, Friday, we've got some stuff going on here in the Hattiesburg show, and I'll be rocking my brand-new Columbia shirt with the Golden Eagle uh, Southern Miss logo and the Eagle logo on it. I got it at Campus Bookmark. You can, too. You can shop online, campusbookmark.net. Wednesday, so we go down to the Big Easy. Patrick McGee from NOLA.com joins us. And uh, I don't know how I missed this, Patrick, the entire time uh, during this whole Sunbelt talk, but um, learned the other day, and you confirmed it to me during text today, the Sunbelt official headquarters on Sugar Bowl Drive there in New Orleans. Yeah, they've got <clears throat> their offices are right there. I guess basically in the Superdome. They're kind of on the as you drive by, it's one of the first things you see out there. It's kind of a nondescript building out front. But yeah, the Sun Belt has been stationed in New Orleans for a while, and used to yet yeah, UNO uh, was in the Sun Belt. Of course, you got Lafayette right down the road, but uh, New Orleans was always kind of uh, considered the center of the Sun Belt universe. So. I'm sitting here in the center these days. <laughs> you are. And, I mean, you know, I think it, that's pretty cool for Southern Miss fans rather than something being out in you know, the middle of Texas, you know, two, two hours down the road is where your conference um, commish you know, lives. So, so media day is coming up um, in a couple weeks, and a lot of people excited about that. Um, I, I guess where I want to come at this angle today is uh, all this just – crazy realignment you know one thing happens then you look up and 852 things have happened Sunbelt's in a pretty good position and I feel like that's what Keith Gill has done um, over the years because they're not trying to obviously be someone they're not they know who they are and whereas Conference USA and and the American have gone after the media markets it seems as if uh, the Sunbelt is concerned more with product rather than potential eyes and I think if you could, you know, ask me what what it'll be like a year or two years from now, I can see that basically the Sun Belt wouldn't, you know, expand unless a like a specific program or a couple specific programs, you know, express interest to do that. They're just not going to, you know, just grab to grab. Right. I, I think <clears throat> there was some chatter about a Missouri State. I know West Kentucky was getting some consideration. If I think it was was it Jane Madison or possibly Old Dominion uh, didn't come through that they were going to add, it might have been Marshall. <clears throat> but those are two programs that gained some buzz. But I think things have changed. Uh, I, I think there was some consideration uh, from the you know uh, from the folks head up the Sun Belt that they may be you know options down the road. But now that realignment has ramped up again, and things could change are going to change fairly. Drastically, I don't, you know, I think the, the Sun Belt now realizes the best thing they can do is be patient. 
and wait for the American to kind of get that next TV deal that brings them uh, back down the earth. And some of these programs within the American realize, you know, why why am I traveling, you know, you know, all over the place, you know, to to Boca Raton or some of these other far flung schools uh, when they could easily be playing uh, some schools closer to home. I think at that point you're looking at possibly in East Carolina, you know, maybe even a UAB, uh, uh, something like that, maybe six years, five, six years from now. Those are the programs that you can add and make your conference better. I don't think there's anybody they can really add other than, you know, West Kentucky, Missouri State, maybe help you in basketball, but they don't really push the needle elsewhere. So uh, the best thing that Sunbelt can do right now is be patient. And I, I think that's what we're going to see here for a while. Yeah, when you look at you know, present members of the American, you know, East Carolina obviously comes. It fits within the footprint. Um, I, I'm not I'm not saying this at all that I want this, but I'm saying would – you know, if if it basically gets where the Sun Belt is a more desirable conference than the American, I mean, is Tulane eliminated because of proximity to other schools? Would it be the, the same Louisiana Tech dynamic? You know, the conference office is in the same hometown as that university. I think the the one thing that would probably eliminate Tulane is it's a private school. Uh, it's just going to it would not really fit the the ethos the way you know uh, Sun Belt is set up now. The, you know, the only school that I think doesn't really kind of uh, mirror the other programs in a way is, is Georgia State, which is a large urban campus. Everybody else is, or you know, maybe aside from, I guess you could say, Old Dominion is not really located in College Town, Norfolk. Uh, it's you know, most of these schools are, are they're all public schools. They're all located in communities that care. You know, uh, they're an important part of the community. And I, I think that Tulane just overall just would be a, an odd fit. It would make sense a lot of ways. You know, in baseball and. And, Lord, you know, it would be great for Southern Miss to have Tulane in the conference. So I think there would be serious consideration. Uh, but why not bring an Eastern Carolina or an UAB over a Tulane? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally in agreement. I'm glad you hit it from that angle, the private school angle. makes total sense. Yeah, and, yeah I mean, thankfully we don't have to talk about it. And Keith Gill <laughs> has never shown, like, desperate leadership. You know, and that's what I yeah. I feel like the, the Sun Belt has almost, you know, unconsciously in some people's minds – you're going to look up, and this is going to be the, the number three baseball conference in the country, and you're going to look up across all levels. You're going to look up you know, in two years, and it's going to be the preeminent power five or a group of five football conference, I believe. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, you're looking at the Pac-12 possibly dissolving. Uh, in, in, in baseball, you know, Big 12, of course, would climb as, as the Pac-12 falls apart if that happens. Uh, but the Sun Belt would be right there. You know, they can compete with a lot of those programs in the Big 12. And I think you're going to see a lot of Sun Belt schools invest in baseball because they see that's their best opportunity at winning national championships. And I think uh, a lot of programs within the conference understand that. And I think baseball is only going to become more and more elevated as time goes on. Sure hope so, um, because uh, we're, we're, we're pretty good at it in Hattiesburg. All right, you're in New Orleans, not just the uh, home of the Sun Belt, but the home of the New Orleans Saints, a uh, team that you cover, and uh, some, some news this week with the NFC South. I mean, two um, quarterback situations with, with New Orleans and Tampa Bay settled. But Baker Mayfield coming in the NFC South now, uh, really two with Atlanta and, um, and, and, uh, and Carolina. I mean, kind of a toss-up. Your, your take of kind of the scope of the uh, NFC South quarterback uh, landscape. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the, uh, the Buccaneers are in a good position with Tom Brady. Uh, and Jameis Winston showed 
you know that, what he's capable of, but we're still waiting to see what he can do within a 16-game season with the Saints as opposed to what he did with the Buccaneers. But, I mean, I think the Saints and the Buccaneers are in pretty good spot. Now you have Baker Mayfield joining the Carolina Panthers, and I think he's probably your, your starter uh, day one. You have Matt Corral there. Who you know, who, you know, they're probably going to want to give time to grow physically and mentally. Uh, he, he's a little bit small to be an NFL quarterback. Uh, we'll see how things play out. And of course, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they just brought in uh, Desmond Trotter, the Cincinnati quarterback. Uh, but they have, might have Marcus Mariota likely as their as their starter for Game One. So you're looking at a little bit of uncertainty in both Atlanta and Carolina. Even though Carolina did upgrade his quarterback situation, if any, if, if at least just depth wise. Uh, so I, I just don't think it really changes much. I think it maybe solidifies that Carolina is the number three team in that division. Uh, the Falcons are going, you know, they're going to be, they've got some guys, you know, Kyle Pitts or whoever, but the Falcons are just going to have a rough go of it. If you're going out and signing Marcus Mariota as your quarterback for a season, that kind of tell you, you know, the franchise franchise is ready to at least take it on the chin for one season. Uh, so right. That just tells me. Of any, if anything, is that the Buccaneers and Saints are going to be duking out for this division, and will Brady eventually slow down? You know, I mean, at some point he's got to become human, and will this be the year that Tom Brady becomes a human? We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. The man turns forty-five and on, on August third, I, yeah. I, I believe. If you're the if you're the Saints' uh, defensive line. Um, with Mariota and Bake and Baker Mayfield coming in, does that bother you, or does that basically say we faced these type of quarterbacks in the South? This is just you know sack city for us. You know that's a good question. I've really thought about it that way. I mean, obviously Mayfield, Mariota, two mobile quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I, I they're I don't wouldn't say they're sacked any less than the others. I think Mayfield probably took it on the chin a good number of times with Cleveland. He's the guy that holds on to the ball. Uh, so I would think that the Saints are probably chomping at the bit to get get a chance at Mayfield, even though he's going to scramble around and make you sweat a little bit. Uh, he's going to take a fair number of sacks, and he's probably going to throw a few interceptions in the process. Mayfield at his at his best is pretty good, uh, you know. And we'll, we'll wait. Have you know? This will be a good chance to see if Mayfield has really got that that long term capability in in the NFL, or is he one of these kind of you know crash and burn guys? It feels like he's regressed a little bit. Uh, but I, I'm not. I'm not completely, you know, giving up on Mayfield as a NFL starter, kind of going forward. So I'm interested to see what happens with the Panthers this season. All right, Patrick. It's uh, it's dead period. You know, the next few weeks yeah. or so. So it, you can enjoy that. Okay. Don't uh, don't don't think too hard because uh, once it starts, it won't finish for another eleven months. So enjoy these last couple weeks of su- summer. Sure. Two weeks, I guess it's the 30th, is whenever the Saints fire up training camp. So uh, then we have SEC media days coming up. So we got media days coming up across the board. So there'll be plenty to talk about over the next few weeks. Good stuff. Always appreciate your time. Have a great day, man. All right. Thanks. Patrick McGee from NOLA.com. We're going to take a quick break and then come back and we're going to talk about the Raging Cajuns, University of Louisiana. Jay Walker, the voice of the Raging Cajuns on the Eagle Hour. Right after this, from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. You're listening to the Eagle Hour on Super Talk, Mississippi. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Always appreciate our conversations with NOLA.com. Patrick McGee. 
been with us since the very beginnings of this show, more than five years ago. So I always appreciate his time, commentary on the Saints, and now the Sun Belt. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Guess where they're located? On 4th Street in Hattiesburg, home of the 995 Blue Plate Lunch. Always comes with a drink every single day. They love Southern Miss. You need to love them. 4th Street Bar and Grill, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. All right, we are excited to start our uh, tour through the Sunbelt Conference today. Southern Miss, uh, just under two weeks uh, from uh, since becoming a member of uh, the Sunbelt Conference. And uh, over the next few weeks, we're just going to kind of tour the conference and reach out uh, to each of our institutions. Happy to have uh, with us now Jay Walker, who is the Director of Broadcasting for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns in his 31st year of calling Cajun sports. Jay, say, thanks so much for your time today. Well, thanks for having me on. You know, I, 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 I want to say this before we get started and really start talking. You know, when you have a fan base, and something happens, you're going to have some people who are for it and some people who are against it. I just want to let you all know something. Our fans are so excited to finally have a conference affiliation with Southern Miss. It's something that I think our fans have wanted for as long as I've been doing this. And so when when we say welcome to the league, we probably mean it more than anybody else. Absolutely, and and the feeling is the same. Our, our fans, especially, bonded over the recent regional because all of the Cajuns were pulling for the Golden Eagles against LSU, and just to see the social media fan base Jay go back and forth, like you know, there was there was a bunch of uh, Cajun uh, Twitter accounts that were we're we're black and gold for this entire weekend, and so there there is a lot of endearment, and it's because. I mean, you go back to the uh, to the southwestern Louisiana days, right? I mean, we were sure. playing each other, and uh, and now you guys uh, as Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and and so our fan base they know a lot about about your school, and yet they need to be introduced almost in a sense. Uh, it's like you have an acquaintance, but now you have a friend, you know. And and I think Louisiana is one of the schools that Southern Miss uh, reciprocally got ex- most excited about. And, and I guess for you guys, you have another school within three or four hours that all your fans can come watch when it's a road game. Yeah, I, and I think that means a lot. Um, you know, one of the things that, that we like about the league is that, you know, I, I, you can't say it's compact because it's covering about 10 states, but, but at least it's contiguous and everybody's got a neighbor, you know, and because of that, I think that, the, you know, that's how, that's how rivalries happen. Rivalries happen when, when your school visits my school and my school visits your school and fans show up and they interact. And the Southern Miss and Louisiana is going to be a great rivalry, but I'll tell you what's going to drive the rivalry, and it's going to be baseball. Yeah. Um, you know, between Southern Miss, South Alabama, and Louisiana, Look, when springtime comes, there's going to be some intensity now um, because all three programs are perennially very good. You know, you have your ups and downs in other sports. But in baseball, all three of those programs are always good. And so I really think that that that's the sport that's going to drive the rivalry. And, of course, it's going to permeate into other sports as well. 
but it's but but baseball's going to drive the truck for these three schools, I think. Yeah, I mean, the last two years we've had a home and home weekend series with you guys. We've only done midweeks with with South Al, and and uh, we will tell you, Danny Lynch has like one more year of eligibility, and then you'll never have to think about him again, Jay. Okay, <laughs> you know, I gotta I gotta tell you something. I, you know, I'm an old school baseball guy. Um, I, I'm I come from back in the days where. You know, if you do a bat flip or you stare somebody down or you take a month to run around the bases, chances are you're going to get one in the ribs the next time you come up. <laughs> now, baseball has changed since then. Now, Danny got quite a, quite a reaction from our fans, and, and I was pretty critical of him, you know, you know, going through two time zones to run the bases after the home run he hit two, uh, the year before. But I'll tell you this, Danny Lynch could play for me now. Mm. That dude could play for me because he's a throwback guy. He plays with passion. He plays hard. You know, in baseball, if you use the term dirtbag, it's a compliment. Yeah. Well, he's a dirtbag, and he could play. I'm glad he's got another year <laughs> because I, I, look, I got a lot of respect for the way he plays the game. I, I still didn't like I still didn't like the lack of a home run trot two years ago. But the dude backs it up. And if you back it up, you can play for me. And and so I'm, I got mad respect for the guy. I'm glad he's getting it. Yeah, you're wrong on one thing. It didn't take him one month. It took him about three months to round the bases. We, we, uh, we, we've... Hey, let's talk about y'all's facilities. Uh, very familiar with the football stadium. I actually played my last game as a Southern Miss Golden Eagle in your football stadium uh, the year of Katrina when, when um, Lafayette opened their arms you know, for the New Orleans Bowl. I think a lot of people haven't been in the Cajun Dome. And then, of course, uh, we saw we were at Moore Field this year. But, I mean, Louisiana has outstanding facilities. Southern Miss fans will be thrilled to go watch athletic events there. Yeah, I think so. You know, football needs an upgrade, um, and they're in the process of raising money to to do some stuff on the west side with um, with a club level and luxury suites and a new press box and and actually a tower that's going to house all of the um, athletic offices uh, and stuff in a, in, in a seven story tower. They're in the process of raising money for that, but I still think it's a year or two away. You know, the Cajun Dome's a great facility; it's way too big. Um, but you know, when it was built, it was not unusual for the Cajuns to draw eight, 10, 11,000 people, you know, but, but basketball in the deep South, if you're not in a power five, there's just not that much interest anymore. Yeah. And, um, but it's a, but it's a great facility and a great place to watch a game. And heck, you can get way down close cause nobody's there. Um, <laughs> we're really, we're really proud of Russo park. Uh, that was an $18 million upgrade that was done in 2017. And, um, you know, we're just, we're just very proud of the place. And one of the things that's going to happen when, uh, when fans go around the Sunbelt Conference in baseball, we've got some great facilities in our league. Um, you know, the South Alabama Eddie Stanky Field is, is, is a nice place. Pete Taylor Park, of course, is great. Russo Park is great. Springsbrook Stadium, where Coastal Carolina plays, is outstanding. Uh, Troy is has torn down their bleacher section. They're going to look a lot like Russo Park starting next year. You know, Marshall is now finally, finally, yeah, said that they're going to build a baseball stadium. And and JMU's got great facilities. And so, you know, in, in baseball, we got some nice ballparks. Um, 
you know, uh, Arkansas State's not a good facility. ULM's is old, but you can at least enjoy yourself there. Uh, but most of the facilities, baseball-wise, in our league are good and, and only get better. Um, but we're we're really proud of uh, we're proud of Keegan Moore Field at Russo Park. I think it's a uh, a wonderful tribute. I think to to Tony Robichaux and and the and the years that he put in and uh, all of the hard work that he did to make that happen. And there's a there's a statue of him out in front um, of Russo Park and. We're we're really proud of that facility, but yeah, overall we've got some really nice facilities for softball fans. Lamson Park's about as good as it gets. Um, it's better than a lot of P five uh, facilities. So, yeah, we're we're pretty pleased with what we have. Southern Miss fans, you know, have been learning and and reading some about their their new mates. What's probably the one thing about the Sun Belt that doesn't come? To people's minds, but you would say it's it's been really good for Lafayette. You mentioned earlier everybody has a neighbor. Would there be something else that you would say this is what Golden Eagle fans need to look forward to as being a member of this conference? Well, I you know I don't I don't know what what it was like in the in the places where Southern Misses traveled, but you know when when football season rolls around, I'll say this: the folks in our league know how to party. Um, and I've never gone anywhere in our league where I thought fans were ugly. Um, you know, that is one of the things that I love about football season uh, in, in the Sun Belt. You know, the folks like to have a good time on game day, but, but they're, they're genuinely friendly folks. You know, I, I'll tell you, you know, you, you get ready to go to Troy, Alabama for a football game. And now there's not a whole lot in Troy. That's a college town that if the college wasn't there, I don't know if you'd have a town. But on game day, you go there, and the place is great. Uh, and the same is true. I Look, game day at App State is about as good as it gets in our league because mm. um, there's so much passion there. Georgia Southern's got a great game day atmosphere. Of course, Louisiana does too. Yeah, um, and and I know that you know at, at, at Southern Miss, the times that I've been there, it's been that way. But I I think that if you're able to travel for football, if you're a fan and you're able to travel for football, do so because you're going to have a great time wherever you go. Good stuff. That's that's great, and that's that's why we're excited about about this new conference. Okay, Jay, just get ready. We're going to be hitting you up in about a month because we're going to want this. This uh, preview of the Raging Cajuns, I'm looking forward to that Thursday night in October in Hattiesburg. Going to be electric. Hey, thanks so much for your time today. We're so thankful that uh, we're going to be talking a lot more as, uh, as we start out this, uh, in, in this new conference with you guys. Thanks for your time today. I, I appreciate you having me on. I'll give you a little tidbit. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but uh, in baseball next year, the last week of the regular season, the Cajuns are at Pete Taylor Park, and I hope we're playing for a conference championship. There we go. Thanks, Jay. Hour, Southern Miss to the top. Thankful for uh, the time spent with Jay Walker, Director of Communications down in Lafayette, Louisiana, one of uh, the new opponents uh, and conference mates. And I think that's a good way to for us, as, as Jay said, I mean, you could hear you know the excitement in his voice representing Lafayette's fan base. Um, 
just it, it's it's so exciting to think about you know the we're not just the teams we're going to play but but the fan bases as well and, and Lafayette I, I hope you've been there um, if you haven't you need to go because there's really no bad food in uh, in Acadian country 121,000 people in Lafayette I was just uh, down last two weeks I kind of been down on the bayou doing some camps and I was probably within about 50 miles of Lafayette and just just really cool they will be passionate. And uh, as Jay joked about the comments that that he made uh, with the infamous uh, bat flip by by Danny Lynch, but at the same time, you know, a, a lot of these schools um, appreciate quality. So it's not just the conference office taking the approach where they want quality on the field, but but as well as uh, you know the, the the fan base does that as well. If you if just to remind you again, some of these these towns. So Appalachian State in Boone, North Carolina. Um, Arkansas State in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Coastal Carolina, you might want to go ahead and book your tickets. Eagles play there in November. Conway, South Carolina. Georgia Southern in Statesboro, Georgia. Georgia State, of course, in the ATL. James Madison, Harrisburg, Virginia. Uh, we just talked about uh, Louisiana in, in Lafayette. Of course, uh, Monroe, where uh, Southern Miss, former Southern Miss assistant coach Mike Federico is the head baseball coach there. Uh, it's in Monroe on I-20. Marshall, you know how to get to Marshall. Um, you go to Huntington, West Virginia, Old Dominion, and Norfolk, Virginia. Down Highway 98, uh, South Al, of course, in Mobile. Um, Troy, Alabama, over on the, the Peanut Plains in, in uh, southeast Alabama. You might not know where Texas State is, and, and we're going to talk to Brent Freeman from Texas State on Friday. Uh, but but Texas State, kind of right in between um, San Antonio and Austin, in San Marcos, so you got multiple flight options there, and and so just an exciting, exciting time. Uh, I'm really pumped about it, and and as Jay said earlier, uh, baseball with with some of these is going to be so good. But I, I would expect Coastal to go into the football season in top 25 team. Um, who knows what what the Cajuns might be? Uh, they might be pushing, you know, into the top 25. Anyway, it's going to be fun and um, just. A whole new world in front of Golden Eagle fans. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by DBAT and D1 Training on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. DBAT on the left, D1 on the right. Softball, baseball, batting cages, uh, pitching machines there, top of the line. Of course, the Pro Shop, 70-yard indoor running facility and workout facility at D1 Training. All right. Um, I had the opportunity last night uh, to uh, to be interviewed by um, – uh, another Southern Miss podcast, and and we should we should mention this. We've we've had guys from these different podcasts on before, of course. Uh, our, our good friend Pat McGee from from Buzzardry, Ben's from from that podcast has been on. Jason Bailey, of course, with to the top talk, and and we're all we all want the same thing. We all want to cover Southern Miss sports and allow our Golden Eagles to have the most exposure. But there's another one you might not have heard of, Everyday Eagles podcast. Uh, Chuck McCraney and and Lane Brady uh, host that. Um, and I had the opportunity last night to be interviewed by them. Uh, it's really fun. It's laid back, and uh, kind of the goal of their their podcast is is uh, just to they they call themselves average Joe guys covering covering Southern Miss, and they want to share the stories of Southern Miss as well as you know just how you you know the listener uh, identifies um, with with your own university. So. Great stuff. I have no idea when that episode's coming out. Uh, we had a lot of fun, told a lot of stories, and uh, both of those guys love Southern Miss. So, Everyday Eagles Podcast. Um, it's EverydayEaglesPodcast.com. So, um, anyway, check them out. 
If you missed the Eagle Hour today, uh, if you're just catching us right now, great talk with Jason Baker about uh, the transition now as, as Golden Eagle softball looks for a, a new head coach. Talk to Patrick McGee about you know possible expansion in the future. His point really is the Sun Belt can can be patient. Don't have to uh, just continue to to maybe scramble, and and that's really never been the mo of the Sun Belt anyway. And then last segment, Jay Walker, great stuff uh, from from uh, the Raging Cajuns broadcaster. If you missed us, uh, if you missed that, you can of course go back and listen. Supertalk.fm on demand, or you can catch uh, the Supertalk Eagle Hour on a lot of platforms. Will, what are those platforms? Because I'm always forgetting one or two. Apple Podcast, Audible, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or if you forget all that, just if you have one of those Amazon Echo Dot things, tell Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Good stuff. Appreciate that. All right, tomorrow we will not be on the air because something more important happening, the Palmer Home Radiothon. They raised $334,000 last year uh, for this uh, this ministry that takes care of kids, shows them the love of Christ, uh, kids that, that are in rough situations and, and redeems them and uh, shows them how much uh, they are loved. That's going to be on tomorrow. You can already go supertalk.fm forward slash Palmer Home. And uh, go ahead and get started on the silent auction that will run uh, to tomorrow. But all day tomorrow, Gallo starting at 6 all the way through Sports Talk Mississippi at 6 p.m. will be the Palmer Home Radiothon. So we'll catch you Friday. Uh, have a good show for you. I think Kelly and Bob will be back. We'll all be in here in Hattiesburg on Friday. Thanks so much for listening. I uh, hope you enjoy your Wednesday. We'll catch you again on Friday at 1. As always, Southern Miss to the top. On slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.